James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And welcome, my friends. It is Saturday morning. Time for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. If you would like to be part of the program this morning, simple. All you have to do, dial us in. 800-848-WABC is the number 800-848-9222. Norm Layden is here. Derek? James? Good morning, Derek Hunter. How are you? I'm doing fine, James Golden. How are you? Has the medicine worked? Is your hearing fixed? Oh, man. I can actually hear out of my ears, mostly. Um, it's it's starting to work, and I'm feeling so much better. And, uh, yeah, I like that. Did uh, so the doctor tell you discuss. that the problem was that it was where your head was residing? No, the doctor told me that I had, uh, the doctor put me on steroids, Mm -hmm. a very powerful steroid that has in the past caused me to gain tremendous amounts of weight. And so while I'm dealing with this, I'm also being very careful. Yesterday I had two huge salads and then I had some other good stuff and one cookie. And I'm like, nah, even with the cookie, I shouldn't have had it, but. I have to, you know, I don't want to bore people with this stuff, but I got to be careful because this, this, these steroids are powerful. And mm. I picked up weight the last time I was on steroids. I had double pneumonia many years ago. They put me on the same steroid, and I cannot even begin to tell you how much weight I gained. It was a really significant amount, and I have never lost it all. And that is part of uh, the weight issue. But so this time I'm really paying attention to, you know, when and, and I had one of those attacks where – Every five minutes, I wanted something to eat. And it, it was, it's insane what steroids can do to you. But it cleared up the hearing issue. Well, you can go off okay. them, right? Your doctor can take you off them, right? They're weaning me off right now. It's like every day they have me on a regime where the dosage gets less every day. I'll still be on them for the next week or so. But then after that, hopefully that's we're done and hopefully my hearing will be back and all good, no surgery, and all that stuff. Well, good. Yeah. I'm glad you can hear it. So big... Thank you. Big news this week, Derek. Last week, you upset the apple cart with that story that you brought to our attention about the woman who was... Your your stories, your Mm -hmm. Olympics... (laughs) No, the life... life. (laughs) Yes, butt stuff. And 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 the Fanny news today is all over the place, but I don't want to do the Fanny news just yet. I, but, but what surprises me, and I wonder if it surprises you, Derek, is that the Fanny news is now mainstream. NBC, CBS, I think the New York Times, or either the Amazon uh, Prime Washington Post covered the Fanny news. Uh, it is Politico has a big story today about the Fanny News. And aside from the, the, the uh, you know, the other one, the Daily Caller, the Daily Pundit, the, um, the, you know, I'm sorry, the UK. Yeah. The Daily Mail. UK Daily Mail. Yeah. So it's, it's 
many losers out there, but there's so much other stuff going on. Nikki Haley. Uh, Daily Mail did a story yesterday basically saying, Nikki, you're a liar. You yeah. said you didn't have any affairs. You slept around, not with one guy, but with two guys while you were governor. Your poor husband was out in uh, Afghanistan serving the nation or, or Iraq, and you were out, you know, screwing around. Yeah. I took a lot of heat, well, a little bit of heat, from some people. Hey, you don't go off when Trump is accused of these things. He was. Why are you going off on Nikki I didn't go off on Nikki Haley. I reported the news. But it, it and, and today, and then Nikki Haley's people said, uh, Daily Mail, you're not welcome here. They booted them out mm-hmm. and will not let the Daily Mail cover the Haley campaign, which prompted, of course, the Daily Mail to write another story about how she's acting like a tin-horned dictator. Then Nikki Haley says, you know, I don't want, I would never be vice president. I don't want to be Trump's vice president. Trump comes back. I'm not choosing you for vice president. Probably not. You're not tough enough. You're not smart enough. You're not respected enough. And then he's calling her by a, a variation of her first name, which is not Nikki. And, of course, that has prompted news stories that he's launching racist attacks against Nikki Haley. We're coming up on New Hampshire. The polls initially were showing that uh, Nikki was surging. Those were the stories for the past two weeks. She's surging in New Hampshire. Well, the polls came out yesterday and showed that if the polls are accurate, Trump is going to pull off a New Hampshire win big. And... One of Nikki's key donors, uh, one of the founders of Home Depot, says, hey, if she loses in New Hampshire, he's not throwing any more money down the rat hole, so to speak. That's that. So where do you think things are with Nikki? And Nikki said, oh, by the way, America was never a racist country. Which, I mean, that one ticked me off. I mean, oh yeah, you, you, you got slavery for all the, for for almost a century and a half. Not a racist country, really, ever, never, hmm. ever. I mean, I don't agree with this business that America is a racist nation now. And she said some things in the course of that, by the way, that makes sense. That she didn't want her kids to uh, appear to be victims. She didn't want to teach them victimhood. I agree with that. But I think she stepped in, and I think her campaign has been kind of just flailing and falling. What's your take on all of of, of Miss Nikki? But I think that her campaign has been flailing ever since she started doing well. I don't know if it was always a bad campaign or if she cracked under the pressure. But it hasn't been all that impressive when she starts talking about she wants everybody to register. She wants everybody verified. She wants the federal government to make sure that everybody online is is uh, has their name on it, get rid of anonymous posting because some people might say mean things. And like, okay, that's a little bit weird, a bit of an overreach. Where does the federal government get that? And then she tried to deny having said what she's on tape saying like a week earlier. It's, there's been a lot of those things her past comments about the illegal aliens flooding the southern border and her saying we got to remember they're 
they're not criminals. They're good people. They just want better lives and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's not, okay, thank you, Lindsey Graham. Like, I'm not interested <laughs> in that. So um, it, I don't know if it was always bad or if when people started noticing, then she sort of cracked trying to backtrack and try and square the circle of things she'd said in the past. But as far as the... Uh, Alleged affair goes, or alleged affairs go. Affairs. I don't yes. care. I don't care. Um, for whatever, look, Donald Trump did obliterate that. Sorry, but he did. <laughs> you know, I was never, I didn't really care all that much before under Bill Clinton. Once, once Bill Clinton passed that and uh, survived that not Rubicon. only having the affair, yes. but lying, straight up lying about it. And then going, oh, well, yeah, I guess. As soon as they, we're going to destroy this woman. Oh, wait, she's got, there's irrefutable proof on her dress. Okay, I guess I can't destroy her. I Now, when all of their options have been exercised, I will admit the truth. So that, the Bill Clinton era, at least for me, and I think a lot of people like me, made you realize that you're not electing Pope. So I don't care what they do. These are imperfect people. Sure, it would be nice if we had everybody with their little halo up there at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, but that's not the world we live in. So we'll take imperfect vessels performing, you know, the best they can over imperfect vessels doing damage to the country. And, you know, you just have to sit there and tell your kids just because they're president or they did things that you like as president doesn't mean you act that way. But I wasn't voting for anybody to be married to my sister. So I don't care if I don't care what a guy does. I don't care what a woman does. It is interesting, though, that this story comes out. There was a story, what is it, three months ago. Remember that uh, Christy Nome? Christy Nome had an affair. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I've, yes, yes, yes. With, that went away. With Corey, uh, with Corey there's, Lewandowski. There's nothing. Now, either the world collectively kind of said, oh, well. So what? Or she's hot. What are you going to do? Or it wasn't true. We don't. Yeah, but she wasn't. But she's not. But she hasn't been seen. She hasn't been seen as really running. She wasn't running in the first place. She was. Right. She returned to doing television. She has returned to doing commercials. She has returned to exactly what she was before the story. She never really stopped being exactly what she was before the story. But she's right back there. There was literally, seemingly anyway, no impact whatsoever from that story. So I don't know that there's going to be much impact from this story unless, like, everybody involved in the story with Christy Nome was like, no, no, didn't happen, no. Anybody on the record, the the sources were anonymous saying that it was happening. If you get, you got affidavits in the case of Haley, but I'm still. I don't think anybody cares that much. Do you? Do you get a sense? I, that, no, that no. I don't, you know that's what I said. I I just find I just found it interesting that they would go back and come up with affidavits now because to me that just doesn't happen by accident. Somebody has somebody wants that story to be out there. Somebody wanted the story to be out there right before New Hampshire. Hmm. See, th- things happen for a reason. Oh, of course they do. And so I, the story to me is the real big story is why? Why is this story surfacing right now? 
and 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 what is behind it, and we'll never know the answer to that one. Well, she's expected to do well in South Carolina. She should do well in South Carolina. It's her home state, so you're not going to be. Well, what happens if Trump's What happens to what? What happens if Trump skunks her in South Carolina? Well, then it's over. Look, it's she's polling well in New Hampshire. You can't get to the step three until you do step two. If she overperforms in step two, then she that builds momentum that leads to step three, and then it's a really interesting race. So they're trying to blunt that. It makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, but I don't know who the they is. I've always been, okay. Do you think it's the DeSantis people? I know. I don't think they have that much pull over what happens at the Daily Mail. I just, well, I don't think you have to have pull. I, look, if you got affidavits and everything and you, you can get somebody to report something, I don't think that they, they care. The DeSantis team doesn't seem to be all that astute, honestly, and dumb. In fact, I saw a story today, job. DeSantis looking for the off-ramp. They're looking for the off-ramp so they can, you know, Start trying to figure out 2028. That's the story I saw this morning. So I, there's some cultural stuff going on um, that I want to also ask you about. One is a, a story, Derek, uh-huh. about a father, uh-huh. young father, yeah. 21 years old now, but had a baby at 18 with his wife. They're living in one of the parents' basements. He had a vasectomy. And the big story, and this goes on and on and on and on and on for pages, is that he's being held as a hero to have a vasectomy when he was 20 years old to prevent his super fertile wife from getting pregnant again after they had their surprise baby when they were just 18. So you contrast that with another story that is making the rounds this week. Here's the way the Toronto Sun covered the second story. Man still alive after getting five women pregnant at the same time. This guy, a rapper, sitting looking like a total bizzo, surrounded by these five chicks, and not one of them looks bad either. <laughs> All of them, not one of them looks bad. I don't doubt it. I don't. I don't have the picture all in front of me, pregnant, but I don't doubt it. Look, but they're all pregnant, and they're all sitting together having a party. This guy knocks up five five young ladies. They're all, one of them, I mean, to me, I'm saying, how ghetto can you get? But James, never mind. I, would, I would posit that uh, you're not dealing with rocket scientists there. Right? Here's Have a you- quote from one of them. I guess we sister wives now. <laughs> I guess we sister wives now. This is what I I wrote about this in my book. I've I've talked about this constantly on my podcast. There used to be a line between famous and infamous, and it was a, a good line. You wanted to be famous. You didn't want to be infamous. To be famous, you had to do something good. To be infamous, you had to do something bad. Then somewhere around the time that. Paris Hilton and Kim Kardashian became famous for homemade porn tapes and didn't run away, but somehow turned that into massive celebrity. People just started trying to get eyes. It was it It was just get attention. It doesn't matter what the cause is, how you get the attention, just get the attention. You end up with social media where you can make a fortune 
if you just have a bunch of followers. It doesn't matter how you got them, what you became known for. You, you hit yourself in the head with a hammer. You smear feces all over yourself and stand in the middle of an intersection and yell at cars as they pass by, or you save lives. All of those things will get you attention, and they all have the end result of somebody going, here's a huge check, keep doing it, mention my product. It's the same damn thing. You're not dealing with smart people. You're not dealing with people with scruples. You're not dealing with people with a clue. Not dealing with people who think about life beyond this weekend. So you're not dealing with people who are sitting there planning their lives out going, you know what would be a good move in my life right now? As if I went to an orgy and uh, got a couple ladies and we all got pregnant. This will be great. Think of the Instagram possibilities, that sort of thing. This is I mean, what that's what with. they are. Wait, this is all posted all over social media, of course. Of course. And they're making videos. They're proud In one video, of one of the, the, the one that says, I guess, I guess we sister wives now. That and she posted a bit, another one of them said, when your baby daddy got four other girls pregnant at the same time and puts this on a, on a slideshow. Girl, um, and, you, uh, know, you know they be doing it. They decided to have the baby shower. They had a joint baby shower. They probably all did it five... in the shower. Why not have a joint baby shower? They probably got all pregnant in the shower at the same time. And the dad, Zeddy Willis, shows up. One of the girls, we can't change the fact that he our baby daddy. And everything happens for a reason. We decided to work together and our families are supportive of our decision. What in the... F- the families are supportive right. of the decision. I... Uh... I have to assume that their their parents are all professors, full professors at MIT. And they've thought through this and they've done the calculations. And, no, and not one of them looks bad. We're getting dumber. We're getting... We're get, look, I can testify to the fact, Five. at least, and I assume you can too, that you'll never go broke underestimating the uh, taste of American women and the low standards for attractiveness they have for men. And thank God for that. Honestly, thank God for that because my standards are much higher than my my batting average or my looks should warrant. But, yeah, look, is he covered in face tattoos? How many neck tattoos does he have? Uh, no, he doesn't look. I can't see any tattoos. He's just got a stupid look on his face like he's, I don't know. It's, it's a look of satisfaction, apparently. It's not something. <laughs> I'm sure his career will go. He's like, oh, look what I did. I'm sure That's that he's going idiot. to be a hands-on father involved in the lives oh, yeah. of all of his children and forever attending PTA meetings and things like that. Oh, yeah. What you mean, Amy? Tell uh, me about uh, this. Oh, God. On January 20th, 2002, George Harrison had the posthumous UK number one single. They re-released this one, My Sweet Lord. Following his death, went straight up to number one again. George Harrison here, WABC. Derek Hunter is here. Derek actually likes the Beatles. I do. So we won't hear any snide comments. Oh, we're trying to. I'm trying our best. I understand. I do think this song goes on a little bit too long, though. Oh, here we go. Even the Beatles can't escape this rap. It's a good song, but it's like enough. And I don't understand how this song got him sued. Like, didn't they say that this was too much like Be My Baby or something like that? And he lost? It's a, it's, it's a rip. Uh, uh, we're coming back. 800-848-WABC is the number to call. 
800-848-WABC. I guess we sister wives now. Unfreaking believable. 800-848-WABC. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Edda James brings us back. Of course, Edda's most famous song is at last. Edda passed away on this day. In 2012, this is her version of I Got You, Babe. We have to play at some point. Nick, half-brit Nick is, uh, is, is killing the music today. We have to do At Last at some point. We don't have to do it now. Derek Hunter is hanging out with us. Derek, let me ask, ask you a question. Do it. Really bonnet there. me a question. Okay, let me ask you this. If you wanted to say, okay, I'm looking at the country and and I want to help save, and, and, and you said to yourself, I'm from Michigan, black lives matter. I want to save black lives. It's like you're living said, I want to come my up head, with, man. I, I want to say, I, I want to come up with something that saves black lives. Yeah. What would you do, Derek Hunter, if you said, I can wave a magic wand, that magic wand that Obama what are you going to do? Wave a magic wand? What if you could wave a magic wand and save black lives? How would you go about saving black lives, Derek Hunter? Well, I don't know. If I had a magic wand, I'd just make it so. <laughs> I don't know that magic wands are that specific. I know you want lottery numbers, but how do you want the lottery numbers? You got to be very. I don't know. I don't know. It okay. certainly wouldn't be, uh, you know, ending police murders of young black men since that's like 10 a year 10 deaths a year of unarmed black men i would say ending black on black crime oh you would do it may, oh I, well if, there's one if and i had to guess there's one and i'm glad you if and that guess because your folks over at the and i say your folks because you're down there near the swamp your folks at the uh, amazon prime Washington Post editorial board have come up with a way to save black lives. They want to ban menthol cigarettes. Thank God, finally. The Biden administration's looming decision on whether to ban menthol cigarettes should not be difficult. One option is to carry out the ban promptly. Saving lives is both more of an outcome of... It's I... going to happen. It's going to... For the last at least 15 years, we've been hearing about banning menthol cigarettes, banning menthol cigarettes. So it's going to happen um, that they're toying with it. It would help. Let's Does anybody honest. not understand how stupid this is? Ban all cigarettes. That's what I don't understand. If you're really going to go the full nanny state and then see if you let the Supreme Court figure out whether or not you have the authority to do it. So wait a minute. Let's ban, let's ban menthol cigarettes and save black lives and let the white folks and everybody else die of, I don't understand. Well, okay, then there's on. this. Why do then black there's... people so disproportionately smoke menthol cigarettes, James? I don't know. I don't care. I just, I find it curious. I don't know. Because, okay, when I started smoking when I was a kid, mm -hmm. 
one of my friends said, hey, try one of these, or whoever it was. It was a cool. It was a menthol cigarette. The thing had a powerful hit. Okay, mm-hmm. and then there were so there were cools. There were Newport. The white folks smoked Marlboro. Black kids smoked when we were out smoking, smoked cools and 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 Newport. But I don't get why. I mean, every once in a while I come across. I don't white, know. I come across I a white person who smoked menthols, and I think they mostly did it so no other white people would bum a smoke off of them. And <laughs> but, maybe it's the same but, way for the black people who smoked regular cigarettes. Like, well, nobody's going to bother me. It's like when I used to go to parties, I would bring 40s. I would bring 40s usually of Mickey's or Old English. Not because I thought they were delicious, although I thought they were pretty good, but because I could bring two 40s and put them in the fridge, drink one, leave the other one in the fridge, where somebody brings a six-pack of Budweiser, puts it in the fridge, when they go back to get their second beer, there's two beers missing. And you go, well, 90% of the people bought Bud Light or Miller Light or whatever. You don't know who took your beer. If I put a a 40-ounce in the fridge and somebody's walking around with my 40 Old English or my Mickey's Big Mouth, there's no ambiguity about who's got my beer. They can't get away with the crime, so they don't do it. So I I did it because I was poor and I was resourceful. (laughs) So if, if I were... You know, I could have smoked menthol because then my friends would have never bothered me for a cigarette. As it was, I was like community chest for smokes, but that's beside the point. Now, makes you think I'm being stupid with this, and and this is a, a non-thing. Here we are in a society, and you mentioned this, the number one cause of death among the younger demographic of black Americans is other black Americans killing them. You're more likely to be killed by somebody who looks like you than anything else. Exponentially right. more. No this matter what you one. look like. No matter what you look like. Uh, as a white guy, if I if I were to be murdered, the more than likely it would be a white person that did it. Probably my wife, just saying, putting that out there in case it ever happens. Look look to her. No. But um <laughs> But you you get it. You just it just tends to be the case. The amount of crossover crime from one murder from one ethnicity to another, one skin color to another is it's not nothing, but it is not anywhere near a majority. But Okay, we like so to look at look, look, we don't. Yeah. See, okay, so this is the way I look at this. I, I look at this and I'm flabbergasted and I'm also a bit just beside myself because these people at the Washington Post are supposed to be the best that it, we have to offer in terms of they think they are anyway, yeah. in terms of liberal thought. This is what they think well, of they black people. they might be the, the best that, that they, there is to offer in liberal thought. You know, That's the, This is the only thing that they can come up with black people. They look around. They don't see that there is something seriously wrong in the culture that allows this mass murder to take place on a daily basis in every single American city that there is. They do not look at the fact that in New York, for instance, Moms for Liberty held an event in New York this week. All of a sudden you had all these New York Democrats coming out. Mark Levine, the borough president of Manhattan's up there outside excoriating them. They're inside saying we shouldn't be mutilating the genitals of, of young children, and you've got the borough president out there going, Bring it on. Get me the weed whacker. Let's do this. It's a name of tolerance. And like, my God, what the hell's wrong with people? Exactly right. In New York, you have 13%, I read today, 13% of 
school children read read on grade level proficiently, and thirteen percent, mm-hmm. right? But they can name fifteen genders. So as long right. as the genders now, are above the percent of reading, they're good. They're so, good you have basic, so you have basic. So you have and 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 minority kids, black and Hispanic kids in New York, attend these failing schools that have been failing now for generations. You have these same liberals, like at the New York, like at the the, the Amazon Prime, Washington Post. They don't give a damn about black lives. They don't give a damn about Hispanic lives. They don't give a damn that these kids are generationally being left in a position where they will not be able to engage in American society as they should, Mm -hmm. as competent to have a productive life because they are uneducated. They are being driven and steered into lives of criminality. They are being driven into lives of of never reaching their potential. None of these liberals care about these people. Instead, what they care about is, oh, well, those little darkies over there are smoking menthol cigarettes, and so let's stop them from doing that to save them. This is absolutely insulting. It's ludicrous. It's beyond the pale. And yet they they write this stuff with such pomposity. They could care less about these kids. James, they could care less about what happens in these neighborhoods. James, James, James. You uh, have fallen for the idea that you think that maybe, just maybe, these people are serious and this is the best they could come up with. Whereas the reality is they're not serious. This is just something they could come up with. They need to be seen as doing something without doing something. What? How did, How would a liberal react if they actually solved a problem. They don't solve a problem. They run on problems. They run on the promise of solving problems. They ran on, we're going to solve health care, we're going to solve health care, then they passed Obamacare, and then the next election, we need to reform health care. We need to do this. We need. Well, didn't you just solve it? No, no, no. We just addressed it. But don't worry, we're still going to do it. You can't secure the border if you're a liberal because then you can't run on the need to to secure the border, the need for amnesty. You can't you can't do all of these things. It is always about what you're going to do in the future and how you need to do this. And at the most, you take little baby steps. So rather than address the real issue of the destruction of the black family and the, the incredibly, ridiculously, dangerously high murder rate, you go, we'll get rid of this type of weapon. We'll, get, we'll ban assault weapons. Well, you know, if you care about black lives, the number of black lives taken by rifles is next to nothing it's illegal handguns they win in a wash you're not going to address that because they don't really care you'd have to deal with the culture there in chicago you're right they're not about to do that you go we'll get rid of menthol cigarettes and all that will do is create a black market for menthol menthol cigarettes cigarettes. and uh, you know they'll come in from canada or something when they re-import all the drugs and it will be meaningless in the end, but they need to be seen as doing something. They can't do anything that they can actually, they can't say, we've solved the problem, the scourge of of black murder, because they just, they don't care, and they don't want to, and then it'll highlight that all that happens in places that they've controlled for generations, so people might connect some uncomfortable dots for them. So they don't want to talk about that issue, but they have to be seen as doing 
something. This is the best they've got. It kind of tells you how far out of ideas they are, how far down the food chain they are that they're going after cigarettes. Cigarettes aren't good. I don't mean to imply that cigarettes are healthy or whatever, but I'm very libertarian when it comes to that. If you want to do it, do it. I did it for a number of years. It's stupid. You want to be stupid, I can't protect you from yourself. and It's not the government's job to protect you from yourself. But this is the best Democrats have because the alternative would be to not be feckless losers. WABC, Talk Radio 77. This is Saturday morning. Radio extravaganza. This was a one-hit wonder. Judy. In disguise. Judy in disguise. Who did this? Um, yeah, one hit wonder. Who was it though? <laughs> did it. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to remember who did this song. But you know what it was taken off of? It was taken off of. It was, uh, it was. John Fred. Taken off of after the Beatles came out with what you call it? With uh, Lucy in the Sky sky with with diamonds. Diamonds. Yeah, then we get Judy in disguise. It was uh, John Fred and the Playboy Band. Yeah. It went to number one. Yeah, it went to number one for two weeks. Yeah, and that was it for them. They never had another hit. But on January 20th, 1968, this was at number one. Judy in Disguise. With glasses. This is the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Oh, yeah, here it is. That a James, at last, that a James passed away on this date. And, of course, this one is her most famous work, her signature song, She was a young thing when she did this, too. My love has come along. That was a good movie. They did a movie about chess records. And um, there was a character that played the Edda James character. It was a great movie, actually. What was it De- uh, yeah, Eric, you may, uh, Derek, you may have heard of Edda James. Um, Never heard this song before in my life. Yeah, I didn't think so. Yeah. Okay. So what's the movie about chess? It was a it was a uh, a movie about the record company and how the owner just really struggled through to make it work. You're tossing a was, word salad doesn't answer my question. What was the movie called? There's a whole bunch of people out there. Going, I don't remember I what like the movie was called. Movie. I said it was about chess records. Easy to find. So Google. the movie's called about chess records. No, all you have to do is Google movie about chess records. It'll come up somewhere. Please, we. It'll hey. come up somewhere. Well, that narrows it down to the entire internet. Did you see this down near you? This is down near you, down in Philadelphia. Cadillac Records, that's it. See how easy that was? It would have been easier if you had just said it. See how easy it was? You just proved my point. Okay. Could have been easier. Derek, do you believe? Check this out, Derek. Check it. Heartless. Check. check, Heartless shoplifters. Mm -hmm. 
who fled a Philadelphia Walmart to avoid getting nabbed, left behind a three-month-old baby girl. Mm-hmm. Security at the stuff, right? Life is about priorities, man. (laughs) The suspects fled after they were stopped by security. They were swiping off at about 11 p.m. They were approached. They fled. They left behind a three-month-old girl they had brought along with them on their shoplifting. She better not talk. Look, you know, you've got to spend, quali- as the father of young, relatively young kids, not that young, you've got to spend time together. It's What about take your daughter to work day? Did you look and see if it was yeah. even take your daughter to work day? You don't know. They could have been really good parents. <laughs> Aside from the police, they left them. But, I mean, other than that, <laughs> the thought that counts. Uh, police believe they've identified the girl. They've been in touch with one of her parents who they do not believe was involved in the shoplifting spree, but they haven't said whether the child was related to any of the, well, they, they took the child for a checkup at the hospital. She said to be in okay condition. What did they steal? Because I don't know. They don't. If it was a bunch of shiny things and sparkly stuff and unicorn things, let's not pretend that this kid might not have been in on it. Just saying. Just saying. She's three months old, Derek. That's the perfect excuse. Come on, man. Maybe she's a little person. You don't know. Maybe it's a Wayans Brothers remake. (laughs) All right. Oh, Nursey Nurse is back in town. Hello, Nursey Nurse has been on a cruise around the world or something. A nursing nurse just texted me. Hi, you, nursing nurse. Welcome. Yes. Let me let me ask you something. You uh, have you? Do you like basketball? I used to watch thug ball when I was younger. Okay. Have you ever heard of? I don't watch basketball. I'm a horrible racist. I don't like basketball. Uh, <laughs> no, I just I, I don't like basketball because when I was younger, I was asked, "Do I play basketball?" A million times, I never played basketball because you're tall, tall. like because right. you're like six five. And then you it, like there's only so many ways you can watch somebody slam dunk. Like it's all been done. Um, but and the last two minutes are all that matters. Not until Michael Jordan came along. But have you heard of a guy called Ryan Rollins? Nope, never heard of him. Ryan Rollins, UK Daily Mail, he apparently played for the Washington Wizards. Just I'll give you the headline because the UK Daily Mail writes the entire story in a headline. Yeah. Anyway, this headline, NBA star Ryan Rollins is accused of stealing groceries, body wash, and candles from the same Target store seven times despite a fully guaranteed $1.7 million salary with the Wizards this set, this season. He's since been released by the Wizards. But he's apparently, I don't know, kleptomaniac or there's something wrong with this guy where he's got the money, but he doesn't want to do that. So um, I will say for Ryan Rollins, at least he's not leaving kids behind. <laughs> so He works alone, man. Which he could probably use a little bit of a distraction, maybe somebody as a lookout. I believe that might be. Let's grab a quick call from Chris in uh, the Catskills. Uh, Chris, you're up. Derek Hunter is on. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Later in the show, America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock, joins us later in the show. I cannot wait for Princess Di also 
to join us because Princess Di, this prediction she's been making since last year that it's going to be Michelle Obama, Muchel, my bell, all of a sudden this week that story exploded all over the place. There was so a I can't BS wait. Story. Yes. Well, thank you, Derek, but I still can't wait to hear what Princess Di has to say about yeah. it because we have a bet. Princess Di and I have a bet about well, this wasn't Michelle that she Obama was talking, thing. Wasn't it the story Michelle was talking to a bunch of CEOs and she let slip that she was going to run? Or I hope yes. Yeah, yeah. And she found the one room of people who could keep their mouth shut for a year? Yeah. Yeah, that's not super believable. Christian Catskills, you're on. How are you, WABC? Saturday morning, Good Radio morning, Extravaganza. Gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning, Jim. Uh, last weekend, the Albany Times Union newspaper reported that Elise Stefanik was going to be Donald Trump's choice for vice president. I think that's actually a great strategic choice because she is going to produce a down ballot effect on six or seven very close House of Representative races throughout New York State even after the redistricting that takes place. And I don't know, I don't think Trump planned it that way, but it's going to have that effect because Elise Stefanik is more popular than Trump is in the Empire State throughout New York. Uh, the races that are going to be the closest, Claudia Tinney won by like two dozen votes. Uh, Mark Molinaro won by 2%, my representative. Pat Ryan only won by like 2,380 votes. Uh, the Lawler race is going to be very interesting because that was plus 10 for Biden. And Lawler, if he were to face somebody like um, conservative Democrat State Senator James Scoofus when they redistrict, uh, Lawler could lose to James Scoofus. And the Swazi district is going to be very close. It could go either way with the House of Representatives, who has the balance of power. So it might very well go through New York again. Trump has no chance in hell of winning the Electoral College in New York. But this uh, choice of Stefanik would would have that result for him. Derek? I Nothing. Disagree. Crickets. I disagree. Crickets. I don't. I don't think a vice president moves that many people. I don't think New York is not in play. The reason Republicans did so well in New York the last time around is because the, the alternative were the Democrats that they were up against. Um, and you can't underestimate that. I, I think at least Stefanik is a great choice. And I'll tell you why. Number one, at least raises money. Squish? No, at least raises money. Lots of it. At least is also a very strong look. Is she 100% rock-ribbed conservative down on every issue? No. She's close enough. And when I like I believe Elise. her liberty score is like 47. So Whatever. I like Elise Stefanik because, okay. look, Elise is from New York, and uh-huh. you're not going to have a, a liberty score of 100% and be elected. She's from New York, and Trump is from New York, essentially, so you think that that's She what... is effective. Okay. I like How? Elise Stefanik. How? How is she effective? She's Harvard University, She's Harvard University, hearing. Harvard University. One okay. thing, There's Harvard more University. More if Chris she did Rufo nothing else any, with that. More Chris, Chris Rufo. Rufo. Hey, it was more Chris Rufo than anything else. At least Stefanik did not confront Claudine Gay about plagiarism. It was the plagiarism that took her down. At least Stefanik got this entire thing in front of the country. 
with no, these the anti-Semitic did. She college- did a good job of asking the questions. I'll give her credit for that. Yeah, we can take a break, Derek, and then we can figure this out. Let's do that right now. No way. No way. <laughs> Thank you for the call. Beatles, by the way, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on this day in 1988. George, Harrison, Ringo, Yoko, Sean Lennon, Julian Lennon, all attended. Paul McCartney skipped it. Said business reasons were the reason. WABC Talk Radio 77, back with you in a moment. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. MJ brings us back working day and night. One of Derek Hunter's favorite artists, Michael Jackson. Oh, I heard from John... Undrastic, five for fighting. This We're is what try he to did. Get on the they work day and night to keep those kids' mouths shut. He had a whole team on it. I mean, there were certain times when he didn't try to keep their mouths shut, but that's different. <clears throat> Disgraceful. I know he was. He was. Just because he can anyway. sing and dance doesn't mean you forgive the unforgivable. Anyway, you uh, were saying five for for fighting. Yeah, five for fighting, John Undrastic. Uh, we've been in touch. We're going to try to get him on the show this week. He's got a new song out. We want to hear it. And uh, also, one of America's premier songwriters, dear friend, Ms. Churchill, has uh, informed me that you were right. Uh, it was uh, He's So Fine. That was the George Harrison copyright yeah. issue. Probably was an intentional rip, she says, but it was nonetheless uh, a rip. And so there we go. While we have time and we don't rush, I want people to find. I want you to he, tell he, people. He's so fine, do lang, do lang, do lang, and my sweet lord, hallelujah. Same melody. No, it's two. It's syllables. My sweet lord, and he's so fine. It's not. But it's, it's not do just lang, do lang, do lang, and hallelujah, Hare Krishna are different. So you get half a line. Oh my gosh! Stick to politics, man. There's a difference between being inspired by somebody and being ripped off by somebody. I don't even think he was inspired The court by ruled in not in George Harrison's favor. You're wrong. I understand that. Oh, While so, we have time, So you're saying pe- that all court cases are correct. No, I'm not saying. Hmm. See, it's these people with words. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Where can people find you, Derek? Take your time and tell them. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. You can find a weekly podcast there every Saturday morning starting at midnight. The Week in Effin' Review. And there's a very New York thing. The way a cab driver would speak about the news. And then uh, with less accent. But, uh, or Derek A. Hunter on Twitter or just search Derek Hunter Podcast and it'll come up and subscribe and share on social media and all of those good things. Do lang, do lang, do lang. Thank you, my man, Derek Hunter. Who was, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, the very last new guest host that ever sat in for the great late Rush Limbaugh. And Derek is a dear friend. He knows absolutely almost next to nothing about music, but when it comes to everything else, I'll tell you what, he's amazing. And we love him. Derek, thank you. I was right. 
about music, and you're going to tell everybody I know nothing of music. You know I said almost next to nothing. Oh, we got to go to news. No, nothing is good music. Goodbye, James. Bye, Derek. Nerdly on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And here we are for our number duo of our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Coming up in our number trio, Princess Di will be with us. Also, America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock. Right now, though, Noam Layden, WABC News, is here Noam, I have been waiting all week to ask you about a few stories. Oh, great. I'm glad to hear that. Good morning. Yes, good morning to you. Noam, DoorDash is going to raise their fees. Two bucks to New York customers because of the minimum wage hike that has gone to uh, into effect in New York and also in addition, there are going to be higher prices on the food. That's expected. Food prices are, are rising, and that's going to be another two bucks, which means four bucks more to get DoorDash in New York. 300,000 regular customers, but who knows how many people try it once in a while. Do you think this is significant in any way? Do you think it's going to slow down things or not? Well, initially DoorDash and all the other Uber Eats and all the other food delivery services were saying they didn't know if they could do business here because it may not make sense. But it's so generational. So I don't know if you're like me, but I look at that you know, DoorDash and Grubhub and I see the fees that I have to pay to get the food delivered to me that I'm like, I'm going to go pick it up. <laughs> right. But if you are like... <laughs> 35 or even 40 maybe, let's say, and younger, you don't care. I mean, I just see it here at WABC, how many people who probably, some of them, not making a whole lot of money, by the way, who get lunch delivered almost every single day. So it's all sort of what you know. And even if they raise the fee three, four bucks per meal, a lot of these people, they don't care. They're going to pay it anyway. Are we going to test this out? Because we got some youngsters on the staff, Norm. So Carlos and half Brit Nick. Let me ask you a question. Guys, okay, you guys here, you are of, of the younger set of our crew. Half Brit Nick, do you use DoorDash? I do. And four bucks more to pay for your food. Will that stop you from using it? My thing is, yeah, really, I don't mind paying a little bit extra for the food or for minimum wage or food costs. It's really those delivery fees and service fees and the app fees that really add up and make it like, man, I could just go pick this up. But do you? Are you still going to use door? Are you, are you still going to use it? Or are you going to do what, what Noam said and go pick up the food yourself? You know, it's pretty cold. Uh, I might punch in that order and see how much extra it is. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll wait out. You know, we'll see. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Carlos, you're young. You, do, you use, do you use DoorDash? Do you use uh, Uber Eats and all those services? Hmm. Can't hear him. What is he saying there? You say yes or no? Do you use way that more than phone? I should? Oh, okay. Four dollars more per order. Is that going to bother you, or are you going to keep using it? I guess we're going to pick up the food from now on. <laughs> yeah, right. That was not convincing. 
somehow or another, I'm not buying that. I think he's still going to do it. Yeah. Okay. So that's one. Here's another story. Norm, I can't wait to see what you have to say about this. Jamal Brown, a, a Bowman. You know the guy, Mr. Fire Alarm guy out there in Brooklyn? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it was accidental. Didn't you know that, James? He said he did. Oh, yeah. he, he thought it was yeah. a button to open the door. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he wants the government to now push for $14 trillion in reparations. Not $14 billion, Not $14 million. He wants Jamal Bowen, Mr. Fire Alarm, wants the federal government to be held accountable for slavery and the aftermath of it, and he says the price tag should be $14 trillion, which begs the question, Noam, how do you come up with $14 trillion? He has an answer. He has an answer for that. He said, when COVID was destroying us, we invested in the American people in a way that kept the economy afloat. The government can invest the same way in reparations without raising taxes on anyone. Where did the money come from, he says? We spent it into existence. Okay. And what is that? I, th- I thought I read a number that it would be for every family they would get like $33,000 or something like that. Or was it even more than that? Once they paid it out, it was some number like that anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think some of this No, is... no, no. You, you, no, no, no. It, it's $333,000. Oh, oh I got the 33 right. Okay. You got the $333,000 broken up into monthly checks. And that's what everybody gets. Well, almost everybody. Norm, you're not going to get any money out of this. You should know that, right? No. <laughs> Can I take a DNA test and see if there's maybe some... <laughs> I have some, Af- <laughs> some African blood in me somewhere? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that might work, but... <laughs> <laughs> like, how will that work even? Like, let's say I find I got like 10% somewhere. I don't then know, somewhere get, down the then, then you get the 33,000. Oh, I you do. 10% of the 300. Oh, is that how think. it works? <laughs> yeah. Really but do see, it here's way? my question. Right. What happens when you have like a Kamala Harris case where her ancestors were slave owners? So does she have to give the money back or does she get to keep it? How does that work? <laughs> I've always and I want to be the person that knocks on Oprah's door, and uh, and just say, "Hey, Oprah, guess what? I'm not from Publishers Weekly, but I have a check for you because you have been oppressed, and here's your three hundred and thirty-three thousand dollars right. <laughs> in reparations money." <laughs> Beyonce and Mr. Z, I've got a check for you. I want to be that guy. I, how the, well, look, if someone showed up at your door and said, hey, here's $330,000, you'd probably say, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I'm taking it. mine. Yeah, I'm taking are. mine. I hope you are. Yeah. You know. But but this answer, Noam, where did the money come from? We spent it into existence. Yeah. Well, this is probably part of the reason. Not the number one, but part of the reason they're going to try to primary him out 
up in Westchester County. There's already George Latimer, who's the county executive, kind of a popular Democrat there. He's going to run against him. That has more to do with the fact that Bowman was not supportive enough of Israel. And there's a huge Jewish community in that area who really upset with Bowman. And so he may be primaried out. Maybe he's trying to play to his black supporters in places like Mount Vernon and Westchester County. I don't know. Either that or he really believes in this. I'm not sure. Okay, next story. You're in the journalism business. Were you shocked with this news from Sports Illustrated? The entire staff almost gone, goodbye, overnight. When was the last time you picked up a copy or even looked at it online of Sports Illustrated? I don't know if you were ever a fan. As a kid, I used to get it, you know, I think it was weekly, if I'm not mistaken, or bi-weekly, whatever it was. I was a kid, I remember I couldn't wait to get it. I loved the magazine, but I haven't thought of that magazine in 25 years, probably. Hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's journalism in 2024, unfortunately, is that nobody seems to be making any money. I don't know if you saw that article with uh, Jeff Bezos lost like a hundred million dollars on the Washington Post. Which, what? yeah, which a lot of people read and a lot of people love, but it's just not translating into enough clicks. And obviously, nobody gets the physical paper anymore. And, being somebody who owns something in the journalism business these days is not usually very profitable, and Bezos is finding it out in D.C., and maybe he's okay with it because he's got so much money. He just wants to be a guy. He's obviously somebody on the left, and he supports the Post. But I'm not shocked to hear this at all. I mean, the way they did it is horrendous. I don't know how you don't give people notice. They must have seen it coming that financially it wasn't viable to keep this magazine going online or even 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 with the bikini issue. Remember, they used to do like a January bikini issue. Yeah. I guess that isn't wasn't even bringing enough money because unfortunately now you can look at your phone to find that stuff. So it just wasn't profitable else in the world. Yeah. And you don't even have to look for it. People send it to you now. They do. Without you even asking for it. It's <laughs> yeah, that's a, a very creepy. strange world. You have kids, right? I do. Do you worry about what your kids uh, get on their devices? Do you monitor it? How do you deal with all of that? Well, I do monitor it. We did have a rule, and I have to be honest, we haven't enforced it lately, but we did have a rule at one point when they first got their phones, and both of my kids were the last of their friends to get the phones because I really felt like this is not a good device, and I'm not really worried what it's going to do to their mental health. I really was. So I tried to hold off, but at some point, you just have to, you don't want to be that parent who's not getting them a phone. So I got them one. Um, at one point, we had a deal where at night, they had to put the phone with us, so they couldn't have it overnight. But uh, And at some point, I did once in a while look to see what they were looking at, but I haven't done that in a long time. So I can only imagine <laughs> what they're looking at. I mean, I hope they seem to be okay. I mean, I'm not paying any big therapy bills. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm guessing that my guess is they're sampling everything. And, uh, you know, on some level, that's probably okay. And on some level, that's probably god-awful. <laughs> They're sampling everything. No, uh, I yeah. have been surprised. I opened up some stuff on my social media followers page, and I happened to open up one. N- Noam, um, there was straight-up porn movies. Yeah. I'm like, this... I, it, it, uh, okay. Moving on. You know, by the way, can I ask you something about this? The point out is there was this crazed moment on New Year's, the day or two after New Year's. I did a story on this, 
that in North Carolina became one of the states where if you wanted to view pornography online, you had to give some form of identification to show that you were 18 or older. And so the porn websites, some of them were so upset about this that they actually turned off the availability to their sites in North Carolina come New Year's Day. So people wake up, people wake up on New Year's Day. They go to look at their porn. Porn, of course, is big on the internet. Lots of people look at it and they realize they have no access to it and they're out of their minds, really upset at these North Carolina lawmakers who made that put in this age limit. So what do some of them do? They go find VPNs. You know, a VPN can kind of sort of work its way around right. virtual uh, private v- network. Yes. And they are able to then figure out how to get porn and all kinds of directions online how to do this, by the way. So these people in North Carolina who had been cut off from some of the bigger porn sites were then able to get to them because they didn't want to have to give their information. The way it works now in North Carolina is every time you sign on to one of these porn sites, you have to give identification information. It's not just a one-time thing. And so a lot of people who didn't realize what was going on and woke up to it January 1st were really upset. Wow. I That blows my mind. Yeah. Number one, it blows my mind that this thing is so widespread. I guess I'm just, I, 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 people send this stuff to you. You don't ask for it. Well, that's creepy. People sending it to you is really creepy. I mean, you know, it's one thing if you you want to look at it on your own, go ahead, but don't send it to me. It's just, and, and, and the part about it, it, it just gets worse because it's, these are young people, young, young people. That are mostly, I don't get this. I, I don't, this is, things are spinning out of control. Alec Baldwin was indicted again. This one, it's one count of involuntary manslaughter. Uh, any surprise there? This is from the movie Rust, that, that, uh, that unfortunate circumstance, tragic circumstance where the young lady in the production crew was shot. Yeah. Um, and obviously, obviously it wasn't intentional. Uh, but but anyway, did, did, was this unexpected? I think so. Helena Hutchins was the one that he shot dead. He initially got off the first time. His lawyers argued that he did not pull the trigger, that somehow the gun malfunction, malfunctioned. This new charge suggests that they did a lot of research and said that the trigger was pulled, that it wasn't a malfunction of the gun just automatically going off on its own. So whether he can beat this or not, I don't know. Uh, will they go after other people on the set? I don't know. It's really interesting. And of course, really interesting because it's such a, a guy who's so famous. People, you know, know all of Alec Baldwin's work, whether they like him or not, being all the, all the great movies he's been in, the Trump impersonation he does on SNL. He's a big liberal and very outspoken about it. So there are probably a lot of people who hope something does happen to him, but whether there's, this will stick or not, whether his lawyers will be able to beat it, I don't know. All right, now this last one story that I have for you, Norm, concerns at airports. And this one I have to say, I have a little personal outrage about this. American travelers outraged by signs appearing at U.S. airports appearing to allow illegal, that's not in the story I'm putting it in, illegal immigrants on flights without showing proper identification. U.S. citizens traveling domestically have to show a valid ID card or a passport to board a plane, but signs at certain airports now say are different rules 
for some of the illegal immigrants who've recently come into the country. Some of them don't have to show ID at all. In fact, one of the things that's outraging pictures is that the, T, uh, P, the TSA is not even taking pictures of people. There's no record being kept. Now, when I came back into the country from Italy this past year, all of a sudden, when we're at the airport, the TSA people there, or whoever was in charge, American TSA, however this worked, it may have been Italy but it was, or London, whatever it was, they came out with a, uh, a poster, and they put it up in front of it, but we are taking your picture. The TSA in America requires us now to take a picture of everybody. So as an American citizen, it's like, well, wait a minute. When did this start? This isn't anything. How, what do you mean you have to take my picture? I already have a global uh, pa- Why are you taking my picture? Right? Yeah. But if you're an illegal immigrant now and you're coming into the nation, apparently the TSA, you don't even have to show ID. You don't have to show anything. And there's no record they're not taking pictures of, of you. Just get on a plane and fly it wherever. How in the hell does this make any sense to anybody, Noam? Well, your civil liberty has been gone a long time ago. There's a camera everywhere that's taking pictures of you. And, yeah, is that how outrageous that these people can fly without identification? Could you imagine showing up at the airport without identification and they let you on the plane? Is that not in a million years would that happen? So how are these people able to get on the plane? That's outrageous. But the fact that they're taking pictures of you, I imagine they have a 100 pictures of you, right? Wouldn't you think? And yeah. it's put into that system where it can instantly ID whether it's somebody that they're looking for. So before you hop on that plane, they know who you are and they can pull you off. But there's a camera everywhere. I mean, James, you, I, I'll walk outside of this building. We did this once. We walked outside this building. We walked a couple, couple blocks. We counted 26 cameras, like in a really <gasps> short period of time. So you, no matter where you are, you, people are watching you and they have pictures of you. So I understand the outrage of that being taken, but they already have pictures of you from every other time you've probably flown. <laughs> don't you think i mean am i crazy yes. to think that yes no you're not crazy of course they do but it's just the fact that look this double standard is just being thrown in our face yeah if you're an american citizen here are your rules if you are here illegally no rules apply to you i don't know how this i've never seen anything so blatant and i think most people that are aware of this are just disgusted by what's taking place now with the way and I don't care whether it's Democrat or Republican administration, for an American citizen to be treated like second-class citizens in their own country is outrageous and it's disgusting. You know, it's really outrageous here in the city, which just gets my blood boiling, and a lot of think I think a lot of other New Yorkers as well is the migrants are giving all the this homes uh they're able to uh they're given services uh in some cases they're given clothes to keep warm which i don't have a problem with they should be able to keep warm but then you go to the streets and you go to the subways and you see how many thousands of new yorkers are living on the streets a lot of them former uh military members who are on the streets right. and they're not getting any of those services none of them that's really outrageous Norm, you nailed that. Curtis Lee was sent me a video, which I posted on Twitter this week. He was down at the 51st Street Station, and he was talking about that very thing. And he had pictures of the homeless there trying to shelter from the cold in the subway station. And he was making the exact same point. 
that these people are not being given any resources, and that video went viral. And um, so you're absolutely right, and it is totally outrageous. Yeah, especially today where it's, you know, all of 17 degrees outside. I can only imagine what it must be like for them. So we should remind people to please look for shelter and stay warm. And tonight's going to be even colder. You said single digits, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll feel like single digits with the wind chill. So please, people, do not risk it out there. You know, make sure you stay warm and stay safe. Noam, thank you so much as always. Always a pleasure talking with you, James. I always look forward to the Saturday conversation. Me too. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly, WABC Talk Radio 77. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. LinkedIn Park. Takes us in. Today's the birthday of Rob Bordadone, the drummer with LinkedIn Park. WABC Talk Radio 77. It's Saturday morning. Your calls are coming up. Later in the program, Princess Died. Later in the program, America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock. Right now, me, you. Half Brick Nick, Carlos, TJ, we're all here. Know him. On our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. The Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Hendrix, the one and only Jimi Hendrix, brings us back on WABC. Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza here in your ear. Foxy lady. Foxy fanny. I think I'm going to wait to do the Fanny news till I have Princess Die on the line. That ought to be fun. Can talk about Fannies with Princess Die, the Fanny Fanny. And let me tell you, that Fanny is hot. Yeah, she's got a hot Fanny this week. Because let me, t- everybody's reporting on the Fanny. They got pictures of her guy walking behind that Fanny, and 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 the guy's wife is out with. She brought the receipts. The guys, he ditched his wife the day before. The day after Fanny hired this guy, he ditched his wife. His wife is ticked. She brought the receipts. There are stories everywhere confirming the fact that he paid for Fanny's flights. He's paying for the Fanny to put her Fanny on the plane and fly the plane with her Fanny. And and, and uh, that's not all they're doing with that Fanny. But anyway, I can't Princess Di, we're going to talk about the Fanny, among other things, I want to know what Princess Di wants to talk about. I'll find out soon. But we'll... Anyway, let's go to the phones. People have been waiting. And thank you for your patience. Sandra in New Jersey, you are up first on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Oh, good morning, Bo. Bo, I've been thinking about the triangle of Joe Biden, Barack Obama, and Michelle Obama. Oh, boy. First of all, Oh, yeah. When you think about Joe Biden, when he was vice president, he was selling out America and making yep. him, his son and his family very wealthy. Now, my question yep. is, where was Obama? How is it possible that he didn't know? Did Obama well, go away? Well, 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 I'm glad you asked that, little Ebonic. I'm glad you asked that. See, I have to stay relevant. 
with black folks. That's why. So I use Ebonics once in a while in order to let let my peeps know that I'm not a sellout, right? So anyway, I'm glad you asked that question. question Obama knew. Family. You want to hear Obama more? Obama knew. Obama knew. I'm telling you now, they knew. The FBI knew. We are we are finding out now that they all knew. They all were what they knew the bank accounts. Now they have been suppressing everything that they knew, and some of it is starting to come out now. The FBI had reports on what was going on with some of these financial transactions with the Biden family, and they were secretly hmm this does, this is strange hmm this doesn't look right hmm this looks like money laundering hmm they knew. And this is a question that if Muchel Obama does decide, I shouldn't be saying that because I don't call people out of the name. If Michelle Obama decides to run, this is a question that should be asked of her. Y'all knew Joe Biden was crooked. How come you kept it under wraps? What else you got up for us, Sandra? Well, I was going to say exactly about Michelle, so I worry about her throwing her hat into the race. People say no, but I, I think she might. I, first of all, she didn't accept migrants in Martha's Vineyard. She she didn't have a voice with the hostages in Israel. They talk about climate change, but meanwhile they have a waterfront home in, in Martha's Vineyard and in Hawaii. A chef dies mysteriously, a good swimmer, no answer to that. And so I say to myself... Oh, you're going into kook territory there. Oh, no, no, we can't ask questions. You can't ask questions like that because that goes into kook territory about chefs dying and the guy happened to be a good swimmer. How did he die on a paddleboard out there? And was Obama home or not? How come we can never get you? can't ask those kind of questions. How dare you suggest that something nefarious might be happening at the big Obama plantation? I'm sorry, the Obama mansion up in Taxachusetts. Uh, 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 Go ahead there, Sandra. <laughs> What do they really stand for? Self-enrichment as I see it. So They really, stand for Netflix. He, That's what they stand for. Come on, let's be real clear about this. The Obamas stand for Netflix. Netflix has paid them millions upon millions upon millions of dollars to produce movies and films that nobody watches. They stand for Netflix, and Netflix stands for them. And if you had that kind of deal with Netflix, you'd be happy too. Your turn, Sandra. Well, now the daughter just made a movie. But all right, that's good. They're good to their children. Well, no, wait a minute. Now, let's not pick on the daughter. No, let's not pick on the Obama daughter. Everybody knows that she's an accomplished filmmaker. Everybody knows that she probably went to school and learned how to become an expert filmmaker. So she gets a red carpet, and it's all over the country. Let's not think that that has anything at all to do with nepotism. It doesn't. The daughter is probably one of the best filmmakers to ever, ever debut her film work in the history of film. There hasn't been a filmmaker like the Obama filmmaker girl daughter because she knows films. This woman, she practically spent her whole life in the movie business. And her parents are movie business veterans. This Obama girl, she's a born filmmaker. So let's not try to insinuate anything about this little Obama girl that now gets her red carpet debut making movies with Netflix, where the parents have made a bunch of money, too. 
I mean, come on. Everything's square up here. Ain't nothing wrong here. This is the way things work. Okay, Sandra, your turn. Oh, Bo, you're so great. Well, I just want us to prepare ourselves more about this family, Michelle especially. I, I, I think we need to start talking about her. And, uh, and, and, and Princess Di, you have a up. lot to answer for in the hour coming up. Princess Di has been, has been promoting this Michelle Obama candidacy. And now, apparently, it's looming before us. She's wished it into existence. And we're going to talk to Her Majesty about that and get the story straight. Sandra, we love you. We got to go to a break. Thank you. People raising questions about this Obama child. Of course, that girl knows how to make movies. Time to do the morning dance, y'all. Oh! Oh! I'm doing the pregnant zone morning dance. Yeah, that's what they had me on, pregnant zone. Why not gain another 80 pounds, James? Oh, so I got to dance it off. Carlos is up working it. Half Britain Nick is up. TJ's up. We're all doing the morning dance here. Spiral Gyra halfway through the program. We do this every week, folks. We get up. We shake the fanny. And we're shaking some extra fanny for fanny this morning. Work that fanny. Twist that fanny. Move that fanny from side to side. Move that fanny back and forth. Move that fanny. Make a squat if you can. Get that fanny working in honor of Fanny Willis. <sighs> Princess Di, we're coming to you early, too, because I need some fanny time. We got to talk about fanny. Eight hundred eight four eight wabc Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC Talk Radio 77. Bo Snurley, James Golden with you here. 800-848-WABC is how you reach us. Keep it right here. Welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Heavenly birthday today for Billy Powell. American R&B musician, singer with the OJs. OJs around since 1958. Powell died young. He was uh, 35 years old when he passed away back in 1977. But OJs still slamming it. One of their biggest hits. I remember when this came out. This one took off like a rocket. People do bad things with it. When you ought to be doing good things with it. Oh, good. Princess Di hit me up. 
She says, we can talk about Fanny. Oh, yeah, and and Muchel. Good, because Princess Di, you have a lot to answer for with this Michelle Obama business. This is your fault. All of a sudden, we get this news story coming out. Muchel Obama's running for president, and it went all over the place. I'm winning this bet. And we're going to talk about fannies with Princess Di, the fannies. So fannies are coming up. Okay. Back to the telephones here. Uh, let's see. Rocco has been holding on quite a while. Rocco, you're a very patient man. Thank you for being with us. How are you up in Saratoga? Is it cold up there today? Hey, only three below with the wind still. Only three below. No, not bad at all. So you're out in your short sleeves is what you're telling us. You just went outside with your short sleeves. It's only three below. Uh, uh, absolutely. The rock can take the cold. Come on. No problem, Bo. <laughs> Come on. Hey, but I don't stay out I saw, long. wait a minute, where was that that they were playing football after the Dallas Cowboys stunk up the joint last week? Um, and then they were playing outside. I think it was the Lions game or one of those games. And it was it was freezing. And you see these football players out there. Some of them had on the long sleeves, but a lot of these guys were going with just their short sleeve. I'm like, this. I don't know how they do that. But it's like these guys, some of these guys are supermen. But, man, yeah. Buffalo, the mafia, guy with shoveling snow, bare-chested. All right? They can take it. I told you. Bad-chested. He's shoveling the snow, clearing out the field and everything. They pay him 20 bucks an hour. Bad-chested. No problem. I'm sure he had a couple of nips, but but he still was out there. Yeah. Hey, Bo. Hey, great show as usual. The crew doing a great job. Carlos, Nick, and, and the new dude. I don't know him, TJ. But uh, anyway, Bo. Bo. I called up Roger Stone three months ago and said Michelle was going to be the candidate at the convention. They're going to bring her Diana had you beat. Princess Di's been on this for over a year. And so you believe it. You believe that it's going to be Michelle Obama. You're in. You're all into this business. It's a done deal. It's the, the Obama done deal. Come on. Clinton. There's no it's done deal until Obama conspiracy team. Come on. You know it. Who's who's running the presidency? It's Obama and Clinton's. It's no Dumbo Biden. You know that. I know that. We're not stupid. Come on. Give so me you're all in for this. You're all you're you're all in for this Michelle thing. Oh, it's happening. I'm not in. And by the way, and by the way, please, please, and and by the way, Rocco, I need you to show a little respect to our president. Please don't call the president Dumbo. Let's not call the president any bad names. I mean, the poor guy, look, this poor guy, he doesn't know half the time where he is. He doesn't know which direction to leave the stage. His wife has to come out and get him. He knows how to sniff the hair on little girls and things like that. Uh, but the guy is not doing well, so let's not be mean to him and start calling him names like Dumbo. That's not nice. Okay, not Dumbo. I want you to, uh, Rocco, I want you to apologize to the president and make it heartfelt. Okay, 
I'm sorry, bozo, the pen-wearing, dribbling, incompetent son of a B, messing up our country the way you are, all right? There's my apology, Bo. Take it and shove it up your brickyard. I try. I try for civility, and this is what I get from my man, Rocco. We reach out. We try to be civil. <laughs> Rocco, we love you. We'll we'll work on the civility thing with you, Rocco. It may take a while. Thank you for the call. Pete, <laughs> Pete in New Jersey. Pete in New Jersey. You're up next on WABC Talk Radio 77. How are you, Pete? Hey, Bo. Yes. How you doing? I'm good. How are you doing, Pete? I'm doing pretty good. I don't know. Did you catch the Mayorkas uh, impeachment uh, little uh, thing they had the other day? Been reading all about it. Um, You know what? The president of the United States, Joe Biden, who was just insulted by our previous call, Rocco, who we love. um, Joe Biden says he doesn't understand why Alejandro Mayorkas is being impeached. He doesn't get it. And he said that the real issue with the borders is that Republicans haven't given him the money to deal with the borders. That's what your president is saying. Now, what are you, what is your takeaway over this impeachment of Alejandro Mayorkas? It was sad. It was really sad to watch that uh, presentation. The Democrats kept on saying to the two mothers, Oh, we're so sorry. We're so sorry that, you know, your daughters died. But, but the people got to be let in the country. They still don't see it. I, I've contacted. Now what, now, local... now, now, what Pete here is talking about, folks, two mothers testified. One of the things they've talked about, and these are two, by the way, of a hundred stories, that, a thousand stories that need to be told, whose family members were killed by illegal immigrants. In fact, there's another story that broke this week about one, another one. And they're testifying, and they're saying that Biden needs to be held accountable, and people need to be held accountable for these deaths. There was a story this week of a guy that had been deported from America four times and was involved, this one, in a DUI, I believe, that killed a number of American citizens. And so these mothers show up to testify, and Democrats tell them, the Democrats that let illegal immigrants in tell them, yeah, we're sorry for your loss, uh, but we got to let the illegals in. Yeah, we're sorry for your loss. Never mind. Yeah, we have to say we're sorry for your loss. But are they really sorry that American citizens are losing their lives to people that are here illegally? And that's the point that Pete here from New Jersey is making. Correct, Pete? Correct. The border has got to be sealed up. I've contacted my local representative, and they all say, oh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. No, not no, everything is not fine. Everything, I don't know what it's going to take to seal the border. I, I, I'm be, beside myself. I mean, I, mean the, I, I, as I, said, I don't know where you go. What can the American people what can the American people do to seal up the border if if 
Biden, Joe Biden and Mayorkas aren't listening to the American people. What could or we the do? Congress or to anyone else? Absolutely. Okay, thank you so much for the call. I have these two stories here that uh, Pete from New Jersey brought up, um, that one of the testimony. Here is the story. It was in the Daily BS on the 18th. Virginia mother Thursday told members of Congress that Biden administration policies enable uh, enable the teenage Salvadorian MS-13 gang member to illegally entry the, enter the country and brutally rape and strangle her autistic daughter to death. This stuff happened. She had been strangled to death, brutally raped by an MS-13 gang member who entered the country but was released by Border Patrol agents because he was an unaccompanied minor. This goes directly to the policies that Biden and Democrats have put in place. This, he's a minor, broke into her home, brutally raped and murdered her daughter, strangled her with a cord, robbed her of six dollars. A mother says, take a moment and think about how her daughter felt as she was being raped and then strangled to death by this person who should have never been in, entered the country. Now, that's one. we got to go to a break, and when we get back from the break, I'll go to the other story that we have. James Golden, a.k.a. I just found out from Dean Carianis, our historian. Dean is the number one columnist for the New York Sun. And he says the Sun is now free on Apple News. You don't have to deal with the paywall to find Dean Carianis pieces anymore. You can go through Apple News and get... Dean is the number one columnist. Dean, by the way, one of the Rush Limbaugh producers as well. And he is an amazing historian. He runs historyauthor.com. So that's great news, Dean. Thank you. Let's head to the break. Fifth Dimension... Heavenly birthday today for Rod Thompson, member of the Fifth Dimension. So many hits. Stone Soul Picnic was one of my favorites. This one, One Less Bell to Answer. I'll Never Hear My Wedding Bell. Bill, Will You Marry Me, Please? I love that song, Woman Begging Bill to Get Married. Do we have Wedding Bell Blues in there somewhere, Nick? Let's come back with that. WABC Talk Radio 77, Bo Snurley, James Golden with you here. Saturday morning, Radio Extravaganza. By the way, this was Rush Limbaugh's condom update. When condoms first started entering into the mainstream American news, Rush used this one as the update theme. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Oh, yeah, this is one of my favorite Fifth Dimension songs. 
Bill, please marry me. Yeah, I imagine this was one of Monica Lewinsky's favorite back in the day, and all she got out of the deal was a cigar. I mean, can you imagine having to beg? Bill, remember, come on, I was on your side. But this, of course, the beautiful voice of Marilyn McCoo. Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis Jr. went on to have their own duo that career very, very successful. Oh, well. Hey, Dean, we're trying to call you. That's us ringing the phone, by the way. Um, <laughs> anyway, Post Early James Golden here with you on WABC. Uh, let us head back to the telephones, and let's talk to Richie in the Bronx, New York. Richie. Thanks for hanging in there. How are you this morning? I'm okay, Bo. Thank you very much. Good morning. Um, when I was in the Army, this is regarding the Alex Baldwin situation. When I was in the Army, we were taught that you never point the gun at anybody unless you intend to shoot them, including the dangerous gun, the one that is supposedly not loaded. Now, uh, Alec Baldwin had his gun pointed at somebody, obviously, and it doesn't matter whether or not he pulled the trigger. He is still responsible. Wow. Um, so you think you think this is a slam dunk, if I have it right, correct? Well, nothing is ever a slam dunk when it comes to a trial, but I'm I'm just offering my opinion. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, I don't, you know, this is going to be interesting. Um, we'll see. We'll see how this plays out. I look I, as much as I don't like the whole political end of Alex Baldwin's life, and I amused by this business with Hillaria, the wife. Um, I just, I, come on, this guy has got to feel, I hope, miserable over what happened. But whether it was involuntary manslaughter, we shall see. At least we know this. He's not getting a pass. And so whatever comes out of this, he didn't get just, oh, we'll let him go because he's Alec Baldwin. So at least I think the family should be comforted from that. But you're right, Rich. You are always instructed not to point a gun at people. That is a classic training 101. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Let's go to Viviana in Brooklyn, New York. Viviana, how are you this morning? Hey, Bo. I'm hot under the collar. <laughs> I why? Because, why? Because the media... You you always suspected that the media had the nerve to decide what we were going to hear and form opinions and everything, that they cut away from President Trump's uh, acceptance speech in Iowa was the height of hubris, okay? 
They're supposed to be reporting the news, not censoring the news. And I think it was Rachel Maddow. I wanted to reach in there and grab her by her neck. We'll let you know if there's anything important about what the um, president has to say, because I am the arbiter of truth. This has ticked off a lot of people. By the way, Donald Trump has, uh, I think, has said a few things about that as well. That was pretty disgraceful. And it wasn't just them. CNN cut away, too. And this goes to show you, look, these people are doing election interference. They don't want people to make up their own mind. This is just blatant election interference. And I think that they ought to be held to account for it. Viviana, I don't blame you for your uh, blood boiling. Thank you so much. Appreciate the call. Dean Carianas, resident historian for Bo Snurley, the, the for our Bo Snurley's Rush Hour and Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Mr. Historian, how are you? I am great. Listen to all the energy you have on a Saturday morning. It never ceases to amaze me, the energy that you bring to the show. And it puts a smile on my face during the intro. How great is that? That's great, man. Wait, so now you are the number one columnist, among other things, at the New York Sun. And now people can get your columns. Tell people how they can get your columns every week. So people tell me, yeah, I found them now on Apple News, which is, uh, well, I didn't find them. They told me somebody said, hey, I find your stuff on Apple News, and that's always nice, and a couple of other places. So, yeah, you can go and read my stuff. You can go to mysun.com as well, which, of course, you should. It's always nice to do. But I, I like the idea that there's also places you can go find it for the information, and this is something that when we worked with Rush, was very similar. Rush never liked to put anything behind the paywall. He didn't like the confusing uh, internet <laughs> internet interface for members. And so I always like to just be able to send them a link and share it with somebody. So I wanted to do that with you, and I appreciate you. You called me right up, which you didn't have to do. Well, Dean, we love you over here, and thank you. And um, you, you always come on the show with us to discuss the history behind American holidays and other important events. And you are the resident historian. You run a website, historyauthor.com. And I love it. You focus on authors of books about American history. And I think that is so vital. You're just doing great work out there, Dean. Well, thank you. I I actually read the books. And that sounds like uh, maybe a little obvious and and arrogant, self-promoting thing to say. But I have many guests that come on and they say, wow, you really read it. You ask me, Charles Learson, who... uh, is a, a fantastic writer, wrote that Ty Cobb book, and I asked him, I said, you italicized something in, in one page, and he cocked his head a little bit. We actually did the interview right in Rush's chair, so I was sitting behind the Golden AIB microphone, and he said to me, that's some attention to detail. Uh, he says, I sit down with people, I'm right on the set, and they say, so what's this book about, you know, before the cameras were all... And I said, well, I want it to be an in-depth conversation, so thank you for noticing that and for uh, recommending me to everybody. Cool. All right, Dean, my man. Princess Di is coming up. Make sure you keep it here for that. Hey, I will turn it on. All right. WABC Talk Radio 77, our number duo in the can, um, our number trio coming right up. We're going to do some fanny talk. Princess Di, forced to talk about the fanny, because I'm going to bring up the fanny in the next hour. And the mooch, the fanny and the mooch coming up. Let's check in with Norm Layton, WABC News. Keep it right here for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza and 
America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock, comes up in the next hour as well. Stay right here. Nerdly on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Ah, yes, my friends, our number trio underway here. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. So glad you are with us. If you want to be part of the program this morning, 800-848-WABC is the number to reach us. I still can't get I talked about this with Derek Hunter. That story. I want you to. I wish there was a way I could post this picture at the Daily BS today. Let's see if we can buy the rights to it. This guy, the headline of the Toronto Sun, man still alive after getting five women pregnant at the same time. I love that headline. But then you look at this picture. This guy is looking like this. This wide open mouth. Look at what I did, and he's got these five babes surrounding him. All of them are pregnant. I guess we all sister wives now. What the hell? Anyway, it's time, ladies and gentlemen. She's it's time for, for radio royalty with James She's responsible. Golden and America's princess of policy, She's been, Princess Di. She has been pushing this for over a year. She was out there by herself. In fact, she's been doing this for longer than a year. When she was running Rush Limbaugh's newsletter, I got news for you. This Muchello Obama stuff would come up. It was her. It was Princess Di. And now nobody was talking about Muchello Obama. And here's Princess Di. You know, M- Michelle Obama's going to be, she's going to be the Democrat nominee. Uh, Diana, you're out of your mind, Princess Di. Not gonna, all of a sudden... This week, it's everywhere. It's Fox News. It's New York Post. It's in all these papers. And then we get this quote that never, be, never ever has Michelle Obama ever said a word about wanting to become president. And all of a sudden this week, we get a quote. Oh, yeah, I'm running. I'm going to run. I'm going <laughs> to explain yourself, woman. Hey, do not blame me that I notice things, Okay. I absolutely have been noticing her political talents for quite a while. And I wrote the piece you're talking about in Tip Insights a year and a half ago. It was in the summer of 22. I wrote my six reasons to be paying attention to Michelle Obama. And I clearly have been shown correct, even though you bet me $100 that it would never happen because she's so lazy and she loves her rich life and her rich friends. And uh, you didn't agree with my six reasons, including that uh, Joe Biden has shown us you do not actually need to do any work to be president. So she she won't be required to do anything she doesn't want to do. But I think it's inevitable that she's going to be the Democrat nominee. Where did this quote come from? All of a sudden, this 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 convenient quote that nobody had ever dug out before, and all of a sudden, here comes this week. It shows up with her saying that she is going to run. How did this happen, Princess Di? And did you write the quote for her? Did you did I did you write the quote for her? <laughs> this is. 
from Cindy Adams, who is the well-known, she made her bones as a gossip columnist. And she does, you say what you want about her, she does have good sources. Now, I had the same reaction that Derek Hunter had when I saw this. Here's the quote. Over a year ago in the summer of 2022, which is when I wrote the piece, she was in New York City. This is Michelle was in New York City meeting several big hedge CEOs and said, quote, I am running and I'm asking for your for your support. Now, that is the first, you know, actual quote where she says it. And I find that quote a little too convenient. I do think that, you know, the tea leaves can be read. But this quote, I would be a little suspicious of. It's just too pat. And as Derek said, this would have leaked a long time ago. If if that was something that was said that explicitly, I think she may have implied it. She may have started the rumblings to raise money. And that's how that quote kind of got filtered down through the telephone game. But I, I have no doubt she's been making maneuvers, whether or not she said this particular quote, I think, is in doubt. I want to tell you something. If this woman actually ever sets foot near that White House, I am blaming you. <laughs> Period. I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. This, this, this will not stand. We cannot go from bad to worse, from worse to really worse. This cannot stand. Okay, let me tell you, I do not think she will win. I do think it's going to be a really great political battle, however, between Trump and Michelle. I think it's going to be a very Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just said Trump. You didn't say, wait a minute, you didn't say Nikki. And, and and you didn't say Nikki. Don't you know that Nikki is surging in New Hampshire? Oh, my goodness. As I said last week, I said, I don't know a single Republican voter who's ever said anything about, oh, I support Nikki Haley. That has come from the donor class and the establishment only, not from actual Republican voters. And that is where her strength may well come from in New Hampshire. She's still, you know, 15 points behind Trump, but it looks like it's going to be the liberals and the Democrat crossover votes who would be bring her that high. But after that, she collapses. So she is not a factor going forward in the Republican nomination battle. So your take is it's going to be Michelle Obama and Donald Trump? Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I have Speaking of for a year and a half. I, I, absolutely. It's going to be an excellent political race. She is smart, and, and she is talented not politically. Michelle Obama. It's not going to be Michelle Obama. She's going it's not going to be Michelle Obama. It better not be Michelle It better not be this woman. She's going to lose to Trump. And that will be enjoyable for all of us. But well, I do think wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Explain this, Your Majesty. <laughs> Who's going to break the news to Kamala? I told you, if you remember my piece, I had seen a little weird little headline that Kamala was in Hawaii during that time frame yes. with no explanation. Yes. And nobody knew what the agenda was. And she was a 20-minute little plane hop from where the Obamas were. And I was positive, I theorized, that that was when the ask was given. What do you want? What will it take? And I think whatever she was promised has been a done deal since then. Got all the answers, as always. All the answers right there. 
all the time. The princess die all the answers. Okay. Uh, you know a lot about journalism. I'm going to move on now. I want to know. I want to know. Before we talk about Fanny's Fanny, I want to talk about Nikki's Fanny. I want to know how all of a sudden this story comes up with this timing that it does in Daily Mail UK that Nikki's been lying about where her fanny's been moving in the past. And not only was she boinking one guy besides her husband who was serving the military, she was boinking two guys. And the Daily Mail comes with affidavits. And one of the and that point from witnesses and all that stuff. They talk about her canoodling in the back seat of her SUV and all that stuff. Not that anybody cares anymore. But why? Why does this stuff why did this story in your view, you know the way media works. I was curious about the timing. I was curious about how does this happen? Who who sets the agenda for something like this happening? And, of course, Nikki got ticked off and told those people at the Daily Mail to get the hell out of her campaign trail, don't ever come back. And was that the right reaction from her to a story that probably nobody except for a few people even care about? Well, I think the answer is obvious. I think this came from the DeSantis people, and it is totally inept. It's not going to make any difference because, as you and Derek discussed, nobody cares. It was a long time ago. Nikki has no future in this particular primary race. And it does fit the anger that the DeSantis people have have shown toward Nikki Haley because those are the rivals, really, fighting for a, a distant second place. And they've had these slap fight debates where they basically kill each other of all kinds of things in this very beta male and beta female way. And there's real animosity between the two camps. And so I think this was planted by the DeSantis people and it is going to have no effect like everything else they've done. Whoa. Other story today, you mentioned DeSantis, that DeSantis is looking for the off ramp. They're looking how to get out of this gracefully and so that they can start figuring out how to line up for 2028. You give any, uh, you give any, any credence to that story? Well, I mean, I think that that might be from his handlers. They're hoping he's looking for an off-ramp. I think he himself is stubbornly planning to stay in as long as he can. I don't get any sense from watching his appearances that he he himself is looking for an off-ramp, even though there is no path forward. There is, you know, it is over. So I think that his own people are planning that story so that he gets the message because he's not listening to them. And I don't think okay. there's much hope in 2028 for him either. I think he has burned his bridges. A lot can happen in those years. You don't think he can be rehab- he can rehabilitate whatever harm he's done to this uh, right now? No, because Diana, he... people, Diana, people no, forget. No, absolutely not. And, and I say this, you know, looking at the political tea leaves as objectively as possible, even though I am a Trump supporter. But he reveals himself to the actual Republican voters early on. He was dead candidate walking from before he announced. And it happened, and no one noticed this really as the death knell, was when he changed his mind on Ukraine. He went out there and said something very reasonable, that it was a regional conflict. 
and that we needed to basically, you know, stay as much out of it as possible. And then overnight, the donor class came in and said, we do not approve of that. And he changed his tune within 24 hours. And the Republican voters looked at that and said, we cannot have somebody who's going to be manipulated by the deep state. And we saw that we made we took our measure of the guy and he's over. He's done. There is no future. And it happened at that moment. Whoa. Now, you and I have another distance. This is going to be an area of disagreement. I don't think Ron DeSantis is by any means done. This is so mild compared to what other politicians have done and have been able to rehabilitate themselves for, for goodness it's sakes, Diana. It's over because it's so different now. We are not going back as Republican voters to the typical politician for the establishment class talking the way they talk. This is not going to be something you that's You were a DeSantis be, fan. Oh, rules are done. You cannot then have consultants change the mind of voters. We took our measure of the guy. And that's why he's nationally. Wait a minute. In- you wait a minute. You supported him. You live in his state. And you said time and time again, what a great governor he has been. I have. And that was before he revealed himself. And I am so grateful that we we got to see who he really is before he ran for uh, president in 2028, because he would have been a shoe in if he had waited and we would have been fools. He is a guy who I have really come to conclude that this guy is a snake. And so I do not want him anywhere near the Oval Office. And I don't think I'm alone in having realized how we escaped this guy being our nominee. Whoa, Princess Di lights it up. We're going to take a quick break here, Nick. Uh, Britt, Nick, let's take a break, and and uh, and, and Carlos, and, and all of that, and then we're going to come back and talk Fanny. <laughs> you, you ready for some Fanny talk, Princess Di? Okie doke. <laughs> she sounds so. She sounds so pleased. Okie doke. If we must, we'll talk about the Fanny. We must talk <laughs> about the Fanny. Coming back, both certainly Saturday morning radio extravaganza here at WABC Talk Radio 77. We have the one, the only. If Michelle Obama ever comes near the White House, it is her fault. Princess Diana on the line with us. Do not go away. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. So this is what it's like to be me. I get texts in the middle of my own show from members of my own crew. Guess what? My money's on Princess Di, not you. Wow. Thanks, Lisa. And anyway, uh, I asked a question yesterday, and I'm going to ask it again today. How does a guy who has only been in traffic court has no experience at all doing complex cases suddenly wind up as the prosecutor for the biggest political case in American history? There's an answer. The man knows how to deal with the fanny. The man 
is a fanny professional. The man knows when he sees that fanny and it's the right fanny, how to make it happen. That's how. Little Marvin Gaye brings us back in explaining it in his own way. This guy, this guy had never worked a criminal case before. He worked in traffic court. Princess Die, I ask you the question. How does a guy, and I love the wording of this Princess Die beyond measure, it is now being reported in mainstream publications around the United States of America that the top prosecutor on the case, Mr. Wade, Nathan Wade, has a thin resume. That's the same words they use for Claudine Gay. Why, she has a thin resume, yet she made it to be the president of Harvard. And now we're told that Mr. Nathan Wade, who has a thin resume, has never worked a criminal case, worked in traffic court, is now leading, leading the prosecution against a former president of the United States of America, in what is undoubtedly the biggest criminal political case in American history, how does that happen, Princess Diana? <laughs> well, I think it is a pretty good uh, exhibit A of Georgia corruption. And we are seeing also the result of hubris or arrogance among leftists to think that this would not be discovered. It is just amazing to me that this guy has basically put on the record his, you know, financial transactions so that we all know his travels <laughs> with the Fanny in cruise lines and all over the world and all of their partying. Uh, where he put her name down on the tickets and he paid for them with a credit card that was connected with his then wife. So in this divorce proceeding, all of this has come out now on the record that you can track his money after receiving uh, $650,000 from the taxpayers. Uh, this guy is spending it on his paramour, who is the district attorney of Georgia. And one of the most fun things, now that you say that this is being covered by the mainstream media and taken seriously because they all of a sudden realize the Georgia RICO case is falling apart, if this is that they are going to recuse themselves because of the ethical and legal lapses here. But if you go back and you read the reporting from when this first came out, this was put on the record by one of Trump's co-defendants, a guy by the name of Michael Roman. And he was the one who first claimed these things in his rulings because he wanted to get his accusations dismissed. And CNN basically said one of Trump's co-defendants in the Georgia election subversion case is alleging without evidence that the Fulton County <laughs> District Attorney <laughs> 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 
properly hired a romantic partner, et cetera, et cetera. They entirely dismissed this when it first came out. They said it was nonsense. This guy's just trying to get out of his own legal problems. And here's the expert CNN brought on. He said that this guy is Anthony Michael Kreese, a Georgia State University College of Law legal analyst, told CNN the filing probably means relatively little. Quote, I fail to see how any of this violates Mr. Roman's constitutional rights. They dismissed it completely. They said there was no there there. And so then when Fanny was basically called to testify to be deposed in the divorce uh, case, she tried to quash that and say, you're just trying to, you know, mess with my prosecution of Donald Trump. And so the wife then in response to Fanny's arrogance came back and put all of the receipts from her credit cards on the record. And if Fanny had just gone along with the de- deposition, if this other guy, if they had just done right, instead of being as arrogant as they are, as liberals are, this would never have come to light. And it reminds me of the Bible verse, and I'm going to say it, be sure your sins will find you out. And Fanny's Fanny's sins are being found out by the whole world, and it is delicious. Well, I mean, there's no question that that Fanny's delicious to somebody. Because let me tell you, Fanny, these stories now are all over the place. There's a story today. Fanny did an interview where she talked about, prior to all of this, how she would never date the staff, how it's inappropriate. And that one surfaced today. Fanny's, as you said, the ex-wife, she said Fanny tried to attack the ex-wife. Imagine your faithless husband decides he's done with you, and so he goes and starts boinking the fanny. And then on, and then you're supposed to just shut up and take it, and then fanny attacks you, and the woman has the receipts. So she brought the receipts. She brought the receipts. And all of a sudden now, you've got Politico, Oh, Politico did a a job on how, here's the political story today, what we just learned about a key Trump prosecutor and Brian Kemp. And it's all about how this inexperienced prosecutor, who's apparently very experienced with the fanny, um, screwed up the whole negotiations that were going on with Brian Kemp. He didn't know how to work the Kemp, but he knew how to work the fanny. So fanny's fanny's getting fanned, but apparently... He turned off Brian Kemp so bad with his arrogance that that whole part of the testimony they wanted from him fell apart. Politico's doing that story. There are stories today in Reuters. There are stories CBS. There are stories NBC. Everybody's on the fanny right now. This fanny is being touched by every single news organization almost in the country. Diana, this is unheard of. Most of these news organizations never report on things that affect Democrats and liberal causes, especially Trump derangement syndrome that they have, they would never report this. They're on the fanny now. Everybody's touching that fanny. This is amazing. I've never seen anything like this. Well, thank goodness that uh, Nathan Wade's wife was uh, outsmarted him. I mean, clearly she's the brains in that group because she has the records and she has come across reasonably and calmly 
And she's going to walk away the winner to this. And have you seen a photo of her? She's gorgeous. She's beautiful. She is absolutely beautiful. So you just know that uh, Nathan Wade was not after beauty when it comes to his next conquest. But the other now that's thing, not nice, Princess Di. You're saying Fanny don't have it. I am. I saw that. this guy. <laughs> I saw this guy walking behind Fanny, and I've tracked. I saw. There's a picture of him walking behind Fanny. Hey, self-explanatory. <laughs> okay. Well, the, the other explanation that needs to happen is the the colluding, the canoodling with the Biden people. That yes. That. Now, that is an, an, an I think, yes. it has yet to really delve into that because that has the potential to destroy not just this case, but many others. Once you pull that thread as to who is orchestrating all of these legal cases, and we all know it's Biden, but to have the evidence of it is, I think, the next shoe to drop. Now let's talk about that for a moment. Apparently, Mr. I don't like my wife, so I'm going to go get some fanny, went to D.C., and the guy actually put it on the record and (laughs) met with Joe Biden's the White House attorneys, and he yep. billed them for it. How can you say that there has been no involvement from the White House right. when Fanny's man is leaving Fanny's Fanny and going up to the White House to meet with the White House legal counsel? And, and more than once. By the way, more, more than once. And he also apparently met with some congressional types, too. This is going to be... And we knew this, but to see it all unravel at this stage in the electoral process is, I think, you know, basically a wonderful sign of providence. Yeah, well, you know, it just goes to show you. For some men, Fanny rules the world. And I tell you, boy, can bring down... Anyway, let me... Not go there. Princess Diana, this has been marvelous. Catching up with the Fanny, catching up with, and I am very serious about this. I want you to know this. If that woman ever gets near, near the White House, I am seriously holding you responsible. (laughs) Well, I want $100 when she becomes the Democrat nominee, because as we have said many times, it will be the first bet I've ever won from you ever in my many years of knowing you. And you are always right. So I will really enjoy being right this time. But she's not going to beat Trump. So it'll be all right. Okay. Princess Diana, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, Princess Di. WABC Talk Radio 77, Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Thank you. Your call is coming up. And then a little bit later in the program, as we get through and head toward the home stretch, we will check in with America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock. Stay with us. More to say, Gary Barlow, pianist, vocalist, songwriter, with Take That back for good is this one not a fist of pure emotion got a head of shattered dreams gotta leave it gotta leave it all behind now 
Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Hi, Clay. Come on, Fanny. Baby, please don't do that. Fanny, listen. I don't understand. Just because your name is in the newspaper. You may be a little bit mad, but I... Nothing's going to go wrong. It's all going wrong. Sometimes we feel inside of us that that everything we have is only here for today. Like that indictment and that RICO case. But every now and then, two people get lucky and find a certain thing that makes them want to just keep it. Just keep it that way. And I just want to keep the fanny that way. I don't want you to feel that you have to go through these changes, baby. Oh, you have to go through the changes, baby. No way. Yes, way. Yeah. Let me tell you something. I know. My dear. Our lives are going to be very different from this point. Press is looking at everything we do. You trusted me and this is, this is what you get. I left my wife for you. I chased the fanny. I got the fanny. And it's not enough. Because now I'm getting the heat. But don't worry, baby. You may not have that Trump indictment. You may not have a Rico case. But you got me. And I got the fanny. WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley with you here. Saturday morning, let's head back to the telephones. Diane in New Jersey. Welcome, Diane. How are you? Hi. Hi, Bob. I'm a big fan. I love your show. I listen to it all the time. Uh, I would like to uh, get back to uh, just momentarily the Alec Baldwin um, matter. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, you know, like you, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of his because of all the, you know, Trump uh, bashing that he did. Even though it was probably a little funny, but he went, I thought, too far. But my point is, I remember very distinctly at the time that this all started, that there had been a bunch of workers that had walked off the set because they were angry about something. They were disgruntled workers. I remember that very distinctly, and I never remember anybody ever bringing it up. So my point is, if you have a man that's angry about something and uh, they don't like the way they were treated, why not uh, put take a, a gun and put a, a bullet in it and, uh, you know, Whoa. cause problems he- for somebody? Right, right, right. Without realizing that, it, I don't know how you could do that without realizing that it could go very badly. But maybe you just don't think it, if that's what happened. Wow, I mean, that would, would be wouldn't, hard. Wouldn't that be a, mo- a motive for somebody? You know, a, a people get if, angry if when they're mistreated. Hey, let's people put the, do, the bullet in the gun. People do all kind of things when they're angry that are not rational. 
We're seeing this every day. Did you see the video that's going out right now of this woman that struck this police officer thrown through the air and this officer thrown through the air with her car? New York Post has that today. You see irrational behavior happening all around us. People doing things that are insane. So you raise an interesting possibility of what could have happened. Diana, it's very troubling if that indeed happened. Steve in Long Beach, you're on Bo Snerly and James Golden. It's our same show. You're on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Hey, Steve. Um, on the thing with the uh, getting your picture taken at the airport. Yeah. Uh, we all know that we're, that we're videotaped everywhere. However, when you're out in the public, you don't really have a right to privacy. Airline terminals are private, so you kind of it's a gray area. However, um, once they post it and they video you and they, you say, well, I, I, you don't have the right to do that. I didn't know. Well, there's the sign. Um, so uh, that's the way it goes. And if you've ever been to traffic court, that judge is going to tell you, you don't have a, a right to drive a car. It is a privilege. And you don't have the right to get on an airplane. It is a privilege. So that's how that happens. The other thing that kind of makes Yeah, but there are federal that, rules about what you have to do to get on that plane if you're an American citizen. And apparently those rules don't apply to illegal immigrants. You can't just walk on a plane without showing your ID. You can't just walk up there and say, hey, I'm here. I'm going to get on a plane. No, you have to show valid ID. Illegal immigrants in this country apparently can get on planes without showing anything. In fact, there was a story earlier on that the Biden administration was allowing some illegal use uh, immigrants to use arrest warrants as a form of ID. What say you about that, Steve? Um, yeah, well, uh, to go a little further on rights and privileges, um, all this stuff in the airport and the pictures and all that, those are privileges, and there are restraints on them. However, constitutionally, you have the right to keep and bear arms. How come that doesn't hold up? And the Amen. illegals are being here for whatever reason. Maybe it's votes. Maybe one of the things is, and I'm not a militia person or a right-wing crazy person. How all oh, that's debatable. Um, they want a civil war here. Once the civil war breaks out, uh, they can suspend the Constitution, and that's going to be a little bit of a problem. Now, so, that is uh, an interesting premise that I would like to explore in future shows. Do they really want a civil war? Does the left want a civil war in this country? Thank you, Steve, for appreciate the call. Andrew in New Jersey, very quickly, because we have to go to America's Small Caffeinated Mom soon. Andrew, what's on your mind? Yeah, the um, <clears throat> Dems usually say it's uh, the far right is racist, but really bigotry and racism are two different things. It's the Democrats are institutionally racist by not supporting school choice. And at Columbia High School in Maplewood, I saw it firsthand because I was dyslexic, so put in lower classes. And disproportionately, there were more black students in the lower classes where we didn't really receive an education, so to speak. So that's institutionalized racism towards not only black kids, but the poor, usually in the inner city. Democrats so. are professional racists when it comes to that. There's no question about it. Andrew, I'm going to cut it short because I want to grab Eddie real quick. It says you're calling from St. Island. St. Island. Where are you calling from, Eddie? Uh, Staten Island, Bo. Thank you. 
What's your, make it quick. I got to grab, um, uh, it's time for us to check in with America's small okay. caffeinated mom. Okay. Okay, we go. Um, 1968, after the assassination of Dr. King, music teacher at PS150 in the Bronx, called us together, showed us a, vid- a, vi- a video, the I Have a Dream speech. Subsequently, she was crying. She told that this man died for everyone to have the same rights and liberties and stand on equal footing as everybody else. Don't disappoint us. And then, sadly, oh, wonderfully, we sang We Shall Overcome. In his memory, if you can, play We Shall Overcome. I appreciate it. Take care. Okay. Eddie, thank you. We're going to take a break right now, ladies and gentlemen. That's a wonderful call. And we'll see whether we can add We Shall Overcome to the library and on an appropriate day play it. When we get back, America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock, will join us. Keep it right here. The Saturday Radio Extravaganza continues on WABC. The Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. His Bat Out of Hell trilogy released over the course of 29 years. So more than 100 million copies. He rose to fame as an actor in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Many of you that used to go to the uh, Waverly Theater down on West 4th Street, remember that. Appeared in more than 50 films. On this day in 2022, Meatloaf passed away, 74 years old. Time to check in with America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock. Good morning, my dear. How are you? Good morning, James. Uh, I'm highly entertained by this Fannie Willis story. And I got to say, you've been fanning your flames on this all week long. It really is a fantastic story. In fact, I've got a brilliant idea, James. I think she could ink a deal for a new soap soap opera as the Fannie turns. What do you think? Well... As the fanny swings, yes. I think there's something there. There's a lot there, apparently. Um, there's, <laughs> well, yeah. There's well, that. Because, I've got a theme song, Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire. Don't you think? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. I think you know, broadcast that. engineer, Russia's broadcast engineer, the most known broadcast and widely successful broadcast engineer in the entire world. Mike Mamone said that we should be using Everybody Loves My Fanny. There's oh. a song out there, Everybody Loves My Fanny, as well, the works. theme song. Yeah. She's well, got options. That's all I'm saying. She's got, <laughs> she got a big option. A lot of them. <laughs> oh, Baby, my I, goodness. Okay. So yes. what is your essay about this week? Yes, it's called You've Got One More Hill Left in You. Um, this fall, when we were at a, one of our it's country, got what? country races. It's, wait, 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 one, stop. Yep. You've got what? One more hill left in you. Okay. Yes, you've got one more hill Because when you start talking you. about things left in you, okay, I'm just oh, like, wait a minute. i got to oh, make sure I get this okay. right, Rhonda. we got to switch back to the wholesome track here, James. Let's I'm just, just saying. I'm in, I'm here to help you with that, okay? Thank you've got you. One, you've got one more hill left in you. Um, it was this fall 
our 17-year-old son was running. The race was at our home course, which is at the golf course. And on that course is a hill. It's it's quite deceptive because it's got a very long, a long grade, and it doesn't look that steep. But it is brutal, and other schools that have come to run that course have named it Suicide Hill. So they they had run the first circuit. I was standing there waiting for him to come through, and two boys from a different school came running by. They weren't running very hard anymore, and I heard one of those sweaty, tired boys say to his teammate, you've got one more hill left in you. And I thought about that so many times since that race, and I thought back this week as I was writing to all those times as I'm running my own race where people came alongside me at very difficult stretches and essentially said what that boy said to his friend. You've got one more hill left in you. You can do this. When we were young married people, young married couple, I told you this with a toddler, We Grant came home and said, I think we should go to college. You should move out of state. And I panicked. I mean, Uh, My little rubber mallet was hitting the panic button because not only did we have no money, but we were in a church group at the time who were not in favor of higher education. We had a couple of friends come and warn us and say, be careful about this. You may fall away from the church. And so me being conscientious and all that, I'm panicking. And so one day I said something to the Lord that I very seldom say, and I said, if this is what we're supposed to do, give us a sign. I got home from work, and my husband said, um, Mr. So-and-so from, from our church called and said they're going to be in town. They want to take us for dinner. It, it never happened before that. It never happened since that. This particular gentleman had, been, had grown up in the Amish faith where they stop at an eighth-grade education. He was now in our congregation. He knew all the rules. And that man sat across from us that night. He, he listened to what we were thinking of doing, and he looked at us with that Amish beard that he still wore, and he said, do it while you're young. It brought all the peace in the world to my mind, and we took his advice, we went and did it, and it was one of the best decisions that we ever made. But he came along at a pivotal point and gave us the words that we needed to hear. Um, early on in our son's uh, prodigal son's journey, when I was again working that panic button, an older woman came along. She had had not one but two prodigal kids, two bouts of cancer, and a bankruptcy. I called her a firewalker because she had walked through the fire, and she said to me, we need to get together for coffee. I can give you some shortcuts on how to get through this thing. Well, we did, and she did, and it changed my life. And ever since then, I have had the grand privilege of turning around and sharing those shortcuts with other mothers. That was a difficult stretch. Um, You talked uh, one day this week about your mother. It was her birthday, and you mentioned um, her forgiveness. Uh, When my husband and I were walking through one of the deepest, darkest chapters of our lives, uh, deepest betrayal and abandonment of the worst kind, that was a particularly hard stretch of suicide hill, so to speak. And a tiny band of other people happened along. They were, they were running that very same stretch. They showered us with love. They gave us wisdom, taught us things that we've never forgotten, and it changed us. The last story that came to my mind was when I was a 
an exhausted 39-year-old mother with a newborn, a demanding job, and three other boys, Grandma Lee came into our lives, and she adopted the whole lot of us. And her way of saying, you've got another hill left in you, young lady, was to come over here once a month and bake and cook and fill my freezer and, and leave dinner on the stove. And to this day, she prays for all six of us by name every day. You've got another hill left in you, is what she's telling us with her prayers. So I thought of you, James. I've read your book. You've talked uh, about different people. I think Diana's husband sat with you when you were very, very ill. Uh, Your friend Connie, who, yes, your friend Connie, who I think took you to your cancer appointments, the people at the NIH. I know that you have had those friends who came alongside when you were climbing Suicide Hill and said, James, you've got one more hill, and we're here to help you. Wow. It's yes. the grandest yeah, privilege now, James, for you and I, is to do that for the others who come alongside us now. And the giving exactly is right. even, isn't it even sweeter than the receiving? It always is. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Rhonda, where can we find your essay? Uh, it's on the dailybs.com. It's over there. So it's Thank such you. a privilege, always. I love you. Thank I love you. your team and all of our listeners. And we love you. Thank you, Rhonda. Thank you. Always Thank you beautiful so much. inspiration. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> we have a few moments, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to head back, grab a few phone calls as we wrap it up. Mario in Rockland County, you got to make it quick. The point you want to make is? I got two for you. Number one, never trust a big butt and a smile. And number two, that fanny is getting spanked. I will refrain from talking about spanking because I am not going to have a hash me too thing happening in my life. Right now, let us head to Jerry in New Jersey. How are you, Jerry? Okay, Bo, I'm very concerned about the 2024 election because what I'm worried about is, and I had seen this three decades ago in in African-American studies classes when they were new, and I think today the mature version of these people – and when I say these people, I mean the radical black left. They are through any means necessary. We saw, including up the violence in 2020, which I think greatly affected the election and tilted our Supreme Court. But will they be willing to do election fraud in 2024? Forget about what happened in 2020. We don't know, we'll say. But in 2024, if you think Trump is Mussolini or Hitler, it's a patriotic duty through any means Let me just say this. Republicans, and I said this last week, they had better not wait till the last minute to figure out their ground game for 2024. Every single precinct in this country, every precinct that Republicans are not in is a risk. You better be watching everything, period. And if anybody thinks they're going to stop the count this time, they're better... Let us go New Jersey very quickly. Rick, you've been waiting, wanted to get you in real quick. Time's running out. What's on your mind? James, the only thing that could make the Fanny story better would be if she was hiding a gun in her butt. Oh, we covered that story the other week, the guy that had the gun in his rectum. Uh, Rick. And we got, to, we got to talk about Davos Monday or Tuesday. Let's do it because there is a lot. In fact, 
the president of Heritage went over to Davos so that he could talk to some of those elite globalists. Great idea. Mike, sorry we didn't get to you. Carrie and everyone else on home. We're here, God willing, on Monday for Boston Early's Rush Hour at 4 o'clock. In the meantime, may God bless and protect each and every single one of you, your family, your loved ones. Love, gratitude for your being here with me and allowing me the pleasure and honor of being with you. Thank you to my amazing crew, every one of you. Without you, there is no me. You all make this happen, and thank you. See you later. Bye.